Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today, we have a very special guest, the Reverend Bao Tai, Rector of Christ Cathedral. And first of all, welcome, Father. Welcome. It is so good to have you here. Did I pronounce your name correctly? And if not, would you please... How do you pronounce your name? Uh, yeah, yes, you pronounce my name very, very correctly. And I also uh, teach in the people the two ways uh, easy for uh, them to kind of member to call me. So first of all, a bow tie. A bow tie. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I or like that. For the school, whenever I go to the school or, or just a recess, I say that I bow and tie your shoe. Okay. Bow so bow tie. Very good. I like it. <laughs> Father, before we go any further, would you please lead us all in a brief word of prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, loving God. We continue to offer our praise and thanksgiving to you. And now we ask you to send upon us your Holy Spirit. So through the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit, we continue to do everything to glorify your name. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, Father Tai, you have been appointed to be rector of this beautiful campus, Christ Cathedral Parish. So that does not make you the bishop, (laughs) but it means that you are the administrator for the the whole parish here on the cathedral campus. How long have you had that title? Uh, Since July 1st. So very shortly. Very shortly. Only a few weeks. Uh, So, well, welcome then. Thank you. Thank you. Now... Tell us just uh, for a moment, what did you do in the diocese prior to coming to serve here at Christ Cathedral Parish? After my ordination in uh, 2003, and uh, I was a parochial vicar for several parishes, and then uh, prior before I came here, so I was the pastor at St. Cecilia in Tustin for seven years. While, uh, as a, being a pastor, I also sit in, in the uh, advisory board for the Our Lady of Lavang project. And uh, Yes, I remember you there. Yeah. That's been about a year now. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. uh, yes, a year, uh, July, uh, July 2021 yeah. as a dedication. And um, also I sat uh, in the priest personnel board for two terms. So each term about three years. So you got to know all of the priests, basically. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, for our diocese, uh, we yeah. have about now we have about one hundred and twenty-five active priests. Wow. In our diocese, more, but uh, very vibrant and active. And also, uh, I'm a member for the uh, board of directors for the OCF, the Orange Catholic Foundation. Now, what does the Orange Catholic Foundation do for? The The, five parishioners who don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) The foundation uh, uh, literally is the organization, the nonprofit organization uh, established by our diocese, beginning from uh, Bishop Brown and continue to carry on this mission by Bishop Van, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly to do fundraising for the community uh, here in Orange County. So it helps steer money that is given to the diocese, Two projects that the diocese is trying to do. Yes. So yeah. some of the money goes to Catholic schools. Some of the money right. goes to uh, like deacons, for a permanent deacons formation, okay. or seminarian. Okay. And also uh, uh, for the especially for the uh, priest retirement fund. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it is the charitable arm of the yes. Catholic Church, but it's a separate organization. I take it because California and the federal government have lots of rules and laws. Yes. It makes sense to do it that way. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you've you've come at this with a quite a background in the diocese. You've been doing an awful lot, and you know a whole bunch of things that are going on here. Uh, Father, the last time we talked, it was down at the dedication of Our Lady Levang. You must have a, a strong 
tie to the Vietnamese community, don't you? Yes, uh, with the help of God. Yeah, yes. I'm very uh, blessed, and uh, the Vietnamese community uh, are also very happy to see me around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this this particular parish serves quite a bit of Garden Grove. Yeah. And a lot of Garden Grove has uh, a lot of Vietnamese to it. My understanding is that you also, though, have some background in – you obviously are fluent in English – uh, you also have studied other bit, languages. A little bit uh, for, Viet, uh, for for for, uh, for uh, Spanish. Yeah, you, you've so got I, a little bit of Vietnamese there too. I saw. <laughs> yes, but Spanish do, too. Okay. Yes, I do mass in uh, Spanish, and oh. uh, and I hear also confessions in Spanish. So uh, that's that's yeah. important. <laughs> yes, that's important. So uh, yeah, yo comprendo solamente un poco español. So <laughs> I, I would probably not want to go to confession El with you. contigo. Ah. <laughs> so you've been able to also um, serve other communities. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, so that's a pretty good background in coming in. It, uh, for me, the blessing for me that right after my ordination, being a priest for the year of two thousand three, I requested uh, the personnel board, priest personnel board, not send me to Vietnamese community, the Vietnamese okay. mass. Yeah. Uh, of course, because I came to the country when I was 23 years old, so I need to learn more English back then. So I prefer not to be sent to Vietnamese community. Okay. So uh, Bishop, uh, at that time, Bishop Rao and the, the board, they do me a favor. So, so yes, for the first nine years being a priest, I'm mostly at the uh, Anglo community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, Hispanic community. Oh wow! Before okay. before they send me to 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 the Vietnamese. That's community. that's pretty wise. So, uh, in coming um, to the priesthood, you recognize that it would be beneficial for your future ministry yes. needs to be well immersed in the primary cultures of the diocese. Correct. Uh, so the Anglo culture, the Hispanic mm-hmm. culture, because you already have a background in the y- Vietnamese y- y- culture. Yes. And then never, I mean, to me, never forget the Vietnamese language because I grew up in Vietnam. I finished my uh, bachelor degree in computer science and I taught for a year. So, so wait, 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 wait. Let me stop for a moment. So before you became a priest, you were in computer science. Yes, I got. Do you it. still dabble in computers, or oh. you try to stay out of it now? <laughs> I try to stay out of that, but uh, okay. once in a while, I I love to to go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, as as our technical director uh, Jim Governale the Great uh, will tell you, <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly a tech savvy person, but. I, I do appreciate those that are, so I'm very glad that you have that background. Yeah. So I want to go back then a ways, and this may take longer than this one little segment that we've got, but you said that you came from Vietnam at 23. Yes. Uh, let me ask a, a very personal question, Father, if you don't mind. How old are you? Oh, right now? <laughs> yes, right now. <laughs> right now, I always tease and tell the people that I... Turn twenty five. You're twenty five. So reverse yeah. it. Uh, reverse it. So I'm fifty two. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was born in nineteen seventy. Okay. Yeah. So the, we right now are on radio, so no one can see that I'm looking at a man who looks all of maybe thirty two. <laughs> so he's he. Jim is Jim. My technical director is nodding his head. Yes. He's <laughs> very youthful looking. So anyone who's looking at you would never know you're in your fifties. You hide the age well, not as well <laughs> as I do. But I have a couple of years on you, but not by that much. So. <laughs> Back to where we're going. You spent then your first couple of decades in Vietnam, yes. and you were born in 1970, so you grew up in the years after, really, the, the Vietnam War. You wouldn't remember much about the war itself, but you grew up in Vietnam. What was that like? Tell w- us a little bit about your story, Father. Yes, I was born, uh, I was born in Saigon, in Saigon, Vietnam, in 1970, and that was uh, about five years before the Vietnam War ended. Yeah. And my dad, for that those five years, he was a paratrooper in in the airborne in the military. Wow. Yes, and then uh, he, of course, because of the uh, the Vietnam War ended, and um, the communists sent him over to the north of Vietnam. Uh, we from the south, and then so he was in a communist prison for eight years. And wow. So growing as a childhood, so I, I, I remember just some uh, images of my father since I was born until the five years old. 
No, yeah. he went for eight years. For eight years from 75 to 83. Then what happened to him? And then after that, of course, uh, God blessing, so he returned home, uh, one okay. piece. Okay. And then, uh, and then also, uh, later on, um, U.S. government, thank you so much for, for all the people in, in, in U.S. country, uh, open arm to welcome the refugees, yeah. uh, the POW, the prisoner of world, and the families, like, uh, like wives and children to arrive here. So your father wasn't captured in battle. He yeah. they took him after the the end of the war, uh, or they took it, him during battle. During battle, just, okay. just only uh, one day before uh, April thirtieth. Oh wow! So April thirtieth is the last day of the Saigon. Of and they the kept war. him for eight years eight after years. the last battle had Correct. ended. Correct. Wow. So and one of the battles that he shared with us that he he uh, he was at, right at the Lavang Shrine. Right in the central of, uh, of Vietnam. So, Our Lady of La Vang Shrine, right there. Okay, so, so people who uh, are not that familiar with it in mm-hmm. Vietnam, between north and south, towards the middle is where Our Lady of La Vang, the original shrine was, Correct. where the jungles were that mm-hmm. the people, the Christians had escaped to, and Our yeah. Lady of La Vang appeared to them mm-hmm. and said, Eat these leaves, they'll help you. Yeah. Uh, and they built a shrine there. You're saying at that shrine is where the, this battle was that he yes, was in. Yes, as well. And then my dad, at that time, he was not Catholic either. So, but but uh, he 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 experienced uh, several miracles uh, happened to wow. him and then to other uh, friends as well. So, and and when you and say miracles, what what kind of miracles? He was about to be. I mean, I mean, to, to die because of the bullet or because of the explosion of the bomb right there. But uh, somehow that he was saved, and then he believed that that was through the intercession of Mary, and God intervenes uh, for him. And then, so, wow. so um, several battles, not only on that at, at Lavang Shrine, uh, several battles that convince him and also uh, strengthen his faith in God. So I can share with you another section uh, for about why we became Catholic. Yeah, when we come back, I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, before we go there, I'm kind of curious. When did your father convert to Catholicism? 1985. So, so later on. Later on, correct. But he had these experiences that he kept in his heart about yes. what God had done for him yes. from a Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we all, I mean, we are very blessed. We are very blessed. Uh, the, the fact that I see that my dad returned home after 78 years in, in the communist government, one piece, yeah. um, and still alive, still healthy. So that is the first miracle that I believe that uh, the God uh, sent it to us. How old were you when he returned? I was 15. 15. Yeah, 15. And I'm sorry, I was 13, 13. 13. And, and he became Catholic when I was 15. So you only experienced yeah. brief memories of your father yeah. as a little boy, yeah. and he comes back. That truly would be a miracle yeah. for you. My next sister, I mean, close, the sister closer to me, she was born in 1968. Huh. Um, I remember my mom's always poised. Her finger to the picture, the picture of my dad and her, my, my, uh, my mom say, that's your dad, that's your dad. I think that my mom didn't want us to lose the image of our dad. Your mom was a very good woman. Yeah. Wow. Okay, before we go any further, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to go into what led you as a, as a, a teenage boy into the Catholic Church. I'm kind of curious as to what led your father finally into the Catholic Church. And then we're going to progress into what brought you to the United States. We're talking with Reverend Bautai, who is the rector of Christ Cathedral, the new rector of Christ Cathedral. And this is kind of an introduction to all the people of Southern California for our new rector of Christ Cathedral. And when we come back, we're going to get to know him a little bit more. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is the Reverend Bautai, who is the new rector of Christ Cathedral here at the at the Diocesan Cathedral, and the parish itself uh, has a rector. So it's it, the whole diocese is run by the bishop, and this is where the bishop would, would hang his hat, so to speak. But it's actually run by a rector, and it's been run by rectors before. Well, one rector before emeritus. 
but yeah. the the bottom line is you're the man in charge here, and we're in the Tower of Hope, which happens to be part of your territory. Yeah. So th- I'm glad you're able to come into our studio today and share with us a little bit, Father, so your parishioners can get to know you a little bit uh, on the air. So with that in mind, we've been talking a little bit about your background, and we talked for a moment about the extensive background you have here at the Diocese of Orange having been a pastor and having been involved with a number of administrative duties, including getting to know the priests by helping to select some priests. But you've also got a background that is is truly remarkable in having come from Vietnam in the wake of the war, uh, a war baby. You were one who was born during the war in Saigon and whose father had been uh, sent to prison the day before the end of the last battle, anyway, Mm -hmm. of the war. And he spent eight years in prison. And you were talking about some of the conversion of your father, some of the elements of the conversion of your father that included his experience of the miraculous. And I want to pick up there. You were about 13 when your father came back. And he doesn't become Catholic till 15. And you yourself had some miraculous uh, engagements. Tell us a little bit about that, Father. Uh, yes. Um, um, so 1975, so the, the, Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam War ended. And then four years later, 1979, 1979 in the summer of that in Saigon, in Vietnam, the uh, dengue fever so that a mosquito bites. So right. all the children uh, around from seven years old, eight, nine, ten. So at that time, I was nine years old, and I was I was almost dead. You came down with dengue fever, and you were almost fever, dead. dead. But my oh. my sister, but my sister getting better, and then I was dying. Literally, I can say that I was dying. And uh, I witnessed that my classmates from the house on the left side, right side, across the house, just um, one day, one person died. Each day, one oh, classmate wow. died. Wow. And then I was completely, I mean, gradually, gradually go down to the hill. And my mom took me to the hospital. And then the doctor denied it. The doctor denied uh, me, said, no, this, this is a dengue fever of the, of the entire city of Saigon that time. So... Everyone's got it. We can't help you. We can't help you. We don't have any vaccine or nothing or any treatment. So my mom crying and crying and and then was about to take me home. And immediately she prayed to Mary, Our Lady of Fatima. At that time, funny thing that we don't know Our Lady Lavang, but we we only know Our Lady Fatima. And I will tell you why we didn't know Our Lady Lavang. So uh, she prayed to Mary. She asked Mary for intercession. And boom, just immediately, uh, the doctor returned looking for my mom and said, where, where was your son? And then my mom gave me to the doctor. And all the doctor took me into the emergency room. And my mom have no clue what did they do to me uh, until today. And then, wow. and then they, had, they told my mom to go to the, uh, the waiting room. And waiting there, and then about hours later, so they, they rolled me out to the regular room, and then I gradually, gradually went back to life. And later on, now we know the reason. She prayed to Mary, and then she asked Mary for a prayer and intercession, and then she also promised. She made her promise to Mary that when I'm well and when I mean healthy, and then she would take all the children herself to the Catholic Church and then to study CCD. So she wasn't Catholic yet? My whole family, my whole family, none of us were born into the Christian Were you religious family. at all? We, we, we call that we are ancestor veneration. Uh, ancestor veneration, okay. Mostly for all Asians. Okay. And then so... What we would call Asian traditional religion, including ancestor. Ancestor veneration. Okay. So, so that's, uh, uh, that was in, uh, in summer... And then, uh, and then August uh, 15, on the feast day of uh, Assumption of Mary, that's when we became Catholic. That's when I became Catholic, August oh. 15th. I'm an August adult 15th. convert, too. But yeah, yeah. So, so I was our, nine our, years the old. Assumption, yeah. The Assumption, yeah. So my dad, my, my dad was uh, it's still in the communist prison. He had no idea what's going on at home. <laughs> You're so, coming so, up to Catholics. Yeah, we all became Catholic. <laughs> mom. I'm a youngest of five. Yeah, okay. So youngest of five, so, so, so my mom and five siblings. The same priest who baptized all the same. We received three sacraments. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Because yeah. I was nine years old, yeah. I have to ask permission from the bishop at that yeah. time. 
time. And then the letter I shared that 1979, we became Catholic. And then for six years later, and that my dad, uh, after he returned home, yeah. that's why I say that I, I, I consider my dad return home as the first miracle for us after we became Catholic. Wow. So 1985, that means six years later after we became Catholic, and also my dad became Catholic. Uh, by the same priest who baptized my whole family, I was 15 years old. And at this time, I, w- I was so happy because right now the whole family became Catholic, and we all can go together as a family. Yeah. Uh, friends, uh, family in Vietnam, very, very important. Sure. We are we are all oriented family. So when I was young, I see I see that parents, I see uh, children, mom and dad, they all go to mass together. I mean, I wish that. I love it. I see that image. I, I love it. So I wish, I wish one day that my whole family go to mass together like that. So that's God granted my wish that my dad became Catholic. So, so, so at that moment, he is the first time God planned seed of being the priest into my heart. Wow. So at the baptism of my dad, I just make a prayer. I say, God, I really want to become a priest like that priest, Father John, his name Father John, the priest who baptized my mom, my dad, my whole family, and now baptized me. So I just want to be a priest so, so go, to go out there to the street to baptize the people. That's it. That's all I know. Very innocent and <laughs> pure, <laughs> intense. I never know that one day I have to do all kinds of things, fundraising for the parish. And do kind oh, of, Catholic uh, ministry today yeah. is so different. But back to your purity of what you were looking at, let me, let me back up for just a moment. How common was Catholicism in the post-war Vietnam? At that time, a post-war Vietnam, not much, not not vital. That's what I understood. Yeah, uh, because, uh, for example, like in my case, in my case, my family, we went to study. We we try to avoid from the public. Uh, we don't want the, the people in the neighbors and uh, my neighborhood knows that we are learning right. to become Catholic. And in fact, uh, to the point that when the day that my my whole family became Catholic, only few people was in the neighborhood, and uh, that my mom let them know. Because we don't, we don't want to make known. Now, were you living in the city or were you living in the city? In Saigon. Uh, the church already, I mean, the communists already allow us to, to practice our faith. Okay. Uh, but not much about the, the kind of like, uh, baptism or bringing the people there. So uh, the people who were already Catholic, the communists, uh, they allowed them to continue. They continue. But they're, they weren't it, real happy with new converts. Correct. Okay. Evangelization, they're there. They, they're not, they're not happy. So that's why we, but, but the priest, the priest is still doing, uh, uh, of course, children baptism, but this is adult, adult and teenager baptism. This is so interesting because my PhD studies are in Carthage in about the year 200 oh, yeah. with Tertullian. And of course, if you're familiar with Perpetua and Felicitas and, and the group that went there, the Romans, the Roman government allowed for the Christians to basically exist most of the time. But they didn't like new converts, and Felicitas and Perpetua were new converts, which is one of the reasons why they were arrested and eventually went to the martyrdom. It sounds like exactly the same, only yeah. 2,000 years later in Vietnam. Yes, yes, yes. That, okay, we don't like the, the Christian church, we don't like the Catholic church, but we'll tolerate you, just don't convert anybody. <laughs> and you are all new converts. What would have happened if they found out? Oh, oh, they wouldn't throw the lions because they don't have them anymore. But yeah, what would they have done at that time? For, for sure, because it, because of now the church, uh, they allow the people who who already convert mm-hmm. to go to the Catholic Church. I mean, the cradle Catholics. So therefore, they, they they don't say anything. They they still let us to go, but they're not very happy. And but and then they're not a thing that they, what they can do. They can go after you. They can say okay, the, uh, the, or especially Catholics or priests. And not to try to bring the people there, but there's there's so no can, way they can prevent this. There's no way. So they can they would put uh, pressure on the the priests, the priests. Yeah. and and maybe make life a little difficult for your family. Mm-hmm. But they can't. They're not going to stop you from yeah, your worship. Stop, yeah. But the only okay. thing they can do uh, they do to my dad, uh, but they did. For example, uh, after my dad returned home, mm-hmm. every Monday morning, because for communists the first day of the week Monday morning, and then my dad. Mm-hmm. 
must go to the office, the police office, to report that himself that he's still in he's still in country, not to try to escape from from. Right. from. Uh, but later on, but the fact that he decided to become Catholic also take a risk, take a risk as well. Wow. Uh, so so he said no, just go and that because because already 1985, so that means 10 years after the war ended already. So the communists yeah. a little bit more easier in the Catholic Church. But there's no way for the children of the the soldiers and POW to enter into religious community or seminary. So therefore, there's no way for me to enter into the seminary. Okay, so um, you were, if you stayed in Vietnam, you would not today be a priest. Correct. Okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. You had decided somewhere around 15 in your prayer life that you wanted to be a priest if possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. 15-year-olds have uh, a lot of wisdom in their own mind. But not always real wisdom. Yeah. So up and how, down. How did it go for yeah. you? So at the teenager, also uh, I, I believe I was about tenth grade, in uh-huh. a, in a, in a, and then the calling being the priest up and down because I go through uh, senior and junior all kinds of things. But the event that um, two years later, when I was uh, eighteen years old as a as a young adult. Yeah. And I was decided that where should I go? Should I go to the community college? Or should I go to the university? Or should I go to work, find a job to do? And then and this, this, this is the second time that the Lord spoke to me about vocation. And I took this second time as also as seriously as well. Uh, what happened? So June 18, 1988, everyone know this, uh, St. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, he canonized, he canonized uh, 117 Vietnamese holy martyrs. Right, I remember that. That was the, the event, I mean, huge to the, to the Vietnamese Catholic in Vietnam yeah. and also to the whole world. So that spoke to me. That spoke to me. So, so that event of John Paul, and I'm sure he had to be hoping and praying yeah. it would affect people in Vietnam. Yeah. It affected you. Exactly. <laughs> I, I got the goosebump now when, when we oh, ever wow. this. So, Thank so, you, St. John Paul. St. <laughs> John Paul II. That's why I, I love him. And then everything yeah. that I pray to him too. So, so I, I can go back and tell you more of what make me seriously uh, uh, consider about vocation. Let's pause there for a moment, and because that event sounds very interesting. I want to hear about what this event was that caused you to really think that you, as now a young adult, had a call to the priesthood. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Reverend Bautai, who is the new rector of Christ Cathedral Parish. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what it was that happened as a result of John Paul's prayers and consecration of the martyrs of Vietnam, what led him to believe he had a call to the priesthood. And we will be right back. back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, on the campus of Christ Cathedral Parish, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is the rector of this parish here at Christ Cathedral, the Reverend Bautai. And again, we thank you for being here. I want to get right back to it because you were telling a story, and we ended at a cliffhanger, where you had an experience as an 18-year-old at the consecration day in June of 1988 mm-hmm. of the Vietnamese martyrs. What happened, Father? So um, I, my whole family, so it's particularly me, so I'm a new convert. So I have no idea who are the 117 Vietnamese holy martyrs. So I've tried to ask in my Catholic friends high school, I say, hey, I, I don't know, I want to learn about these uh, saints that we, uh, the church uh, about to canonize them. At that time, the country is still poor, and I remember that we have a book, we have a, a saintly book, uh, I mean, a, a Christian book, and very, very dark paper. It's like yellow, I mean, yeah. poor country, and then, so, but, but the history of each saint, the one page, so every day I just go through, I just go through uh, the space about to study about the life of these saints. And then I found out that 117 Vietnamese uh, martyrs, among them, 22 
22 of them, they are bishops and priests, but they came to Vietnam from France and Spain, from Europe. So, so that struck me. That struck me. And, and why? Because, and then this time I became Catholic, and then I see myself because, because of them. Because at 1533, these messengers of Christ, the yeah. missionaries, so they, they left uh, Europe, they, they went to uh, China and Macau, and from, from Macau, China, they landed into uh, the north of Vietnam at that time, 1533. I mean, that's why, in the 16th century. Mm-hmm. And because of them, so they all, all went over there, they began the process of evangelization. So because of that, so we knew, we knew, we knew the new faith, uh, the, the new uh, Catholic Church uh, uh, teaching on all kinds of Catholicism. So therefore, to me, 300 years later, 400 years later, the time that I became Catholic, I said, oh, wow, they are the one, the foreigners that they left their own country, and then they sacrificed their life, they died for the faith in Christ. So, so this time, somehow that these saints inspire me a lot. I mean, I really admire them. And at this time, what's, of course, St. John Paul II that time too, so I say to myself, I make a prayer, I say, God, I really want to, to, to follow their footsteps. Not become a saint, not become a martyr. Yeah, so rather than die, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. <laughs> I don't know if 18 years, so I don't know yet. So I said, I just want to, to follow them to become a priest seriously again. And then, and then as a token of thanksgiving to God and to them. I just want to dedicate my life just as, as, as a gift of thanksgiving back to God for all. Render love to love, render thanks, uh, gratitude to God. So, so that, that's it. That's it. Wow. And I took it seriously, and then I went to see the priest. They went to see fa- Father John, who who, Father ba- John, yeah. who who baptized my whole family. Yeah. So I shared with them, and they told me there was no way I could enter the seminary in Vietnam okay. in Saigon because because of my situation. But my did dad. he tell you you could enter if you left Vietnam? Yes. And then, and, that, and also God's God's providence. Many things uh, happening at the same time. Uh, my whole family began the process, uh, filed the application to enter into U.S. Sponsored by U.S. government for for the POW and mm. uh, wives and children. And then the priesthood. That the only chance that you can go if the paperwork. I mean, is complete. And then and then I mean the process. And then enter the U.S. and then, of course, that, that land of the freedom, land of the brave, land of more opportunities. But we don't know. We don't know that how soon we go because yeah. that's in 1988. Right. I was only 18 years old. So five years later, we were able to go. But the priest advised me this. He said, continue to study. Don't give up. If you are able, your family able to, to afford you to for further study, let me go to college or university and, and study. But don't quit. So I took his advice, so I went to uh, that uh, uh, University of Saigon, and I, I went to him as a spiritual director. Yeah. I, I don't have that concept, but yeah. I always yeah. see him like that way. So he advised me, go, and then so I took uh, computer science for four years. Wow. And God, who knows? He said, we just, we just go with God's plan. But at the same time, Father John also advised me to participate in the church. So went to my home parish. Yeah. Uh, so I became catechist I okay. mean, to, 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 to teach uh, confirmation for, okay. for, for the children, involved with the youth, with the choir, with, with things to keep my vocation alive. So let me pause for just a moment. Let's, let's talk about some of the pitfalls of wanting to become a priest, starting with girls. Were there any times in, in that era where you were thinking, well, Lord, maybe I want to be a priest, but gosh, he's pretty. Mm-hmm. Did yes. any of that ever happen for you? Oh yes, during the high school, particularly <laughs> during high school, and then also more more uh, freedom because I'm a young adult. The, so when, the, the hormones were beginning yeah, to, to and, kick in. Okay, to the, uh, uh, um, in the university, yeah. and uh, I mean I don't want to say the public. No, I don't. But, no, but there's one 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 incident, but uh, uh, but I don't say the name. No. So uh, so in in university. And then I think that I do that. She also recognized me. So we, we, we both have a crush on each other. But later on, and one, when God's providence, yeah. so I was invited into a, a, a special mass 
for uh, several friends of mine for the nun to enter into the convent in Vietnam. Wow. But I have no idea. It was she. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and, and, so the this girl is the first that, you, this is the the first girl that you had your eye on at one point yeah. uh-huh. eventually became a nun. And, the, nun. and the, the boy that she was looking at became a priest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and then we, we, that was God's, God's providence. Yeah. And we always met, as I met, but not talk. I just, yeah. I just give a knock in the canteen. At the lunchtime. Okay. The lunchtime, I always go to that corner by myself. Yeah. Uh, to have lunch and to enjoy my lunch and study and pray. But as she was on the other corner, I say, well, interesting <laughs> to me. I said, why is it that little girl there over here? So that's God's providence. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a great story. So just kind of curious, ha- do you know what happened to her? Is she still I in st- Vietnam? I still believe that she's still in Vietnam. So okay. that conv- I know the convent, and okay. I, I truly believe that she, she composed one song, oh. very famous as well. But this is the very first time I've that. We've got a scoop out today. <laughs> but the, so the bottom line is that she's still yeah. a nun, and yeah. she does, she does uh, musical ministry. Yeah. That's very good. So... Wow. So you you did though have a time when you had to ask yourself the question, okay, yeah, Lord, family, is this really the call yeah. I have, or do I, am I called to another? You had to wrestle with mm-hmm. it yourself. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's very good for and a also, priest to wrestle with that. Also, friends, a uh, to be. yeah, friends out there uh, have the vocation the uh, uh, director we do, but at the same time have your own priest, uh, whoever priest that you you trust, and then go to see him maybe once a month. Yeah. Talk with him about your life, about your vocation. Yeah. So therefore, I have, to me, to me, I love to see the young people, and I'm always available for them if they would like to come to see me as a vocation, as a, a discerning. Uh, so far, I um, here I can share I have. Um, Seven spiritual sons <laughs> that, 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 that see me as as and then and I, I, I still uh, directing them. Even um, right now, I'm very busy as a director, right, right. but I still have time for them. So two already uh, uh, become priests. Oh wow! So so I have two. I, I, I will say congratulations thank to you, you, but thank you for your ministry, Father. Yeah, uh, and, then, and five five on the way. So wow. four. For already uh, in the seminary this yeah. this year this uh, particular uh, academic year we sent three uh, two to St John Seminary and one at Bishop White uh, okay. from our from our diocese. So wow, you've already then been quite active in the yeah. parish in, in the diocese, getting getting vocations yeah. involved. Let's back up while we're still in this this uh, section. So at 18, you had this engagement with uh, the the martyrs from the 1530s that John Paul recognized and canonized. Then you continued to move forward. You got your degree in computer computer science. How long after you got your degree did you then have the opportunity to go with your family to the United States? I say a year. So uh, four years in uh, university, and then uh, I have a year uh, after that, so between academic year 1992 to 1993, the whole year, whole academic year, I taught in high school. I taught as an 11th grade, a computer science. And, uh, and of course, by that time, I already know that my vocation uh, uh, very strong, and I just want to go to become a priest. And the process of entering into U.S. very, very close and very promising. And uh, so we, we left Vietnam also July, July 16, the feast day of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Okay, yeah. yes. So, so everything with my whole Everything family, is merry for you. This is good. Mary, yeah. <laughs> so, so we came to U.S. Uh, to come to July uh, the 16, uh, 1993. So I was able to taught in the high, in the high school for a year. And immediately, so I, when I came to U.S., here in Orange County, we were very blessed. My whole family got in Orange County in Westminster City, the very first church that we went, San Barbara in Santa Ana. Wow. And then, so that's the very first church, the first weekend we went. And then, and then my whole family stayed in the same zip code. <laughs> uh, 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 Westminster. My, my God bless that my yeah. mom, my dad, my whole family is still alive. Um, my dad is now eighty-two, and then my, my oh, wow. yeah, so my my mom's dad. So everyone is in the Westminster area. Westminster area, and your siblings—they have families. Of them. 
Uh, the, I'm a youngest of four, uh, yes. five, so there are four of them already married, and then I have 14 uh, nieces and nephews. Wow. So uh, Any any grand nieces and nephews yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to marry, uh, I'm going to officiate the wedding of my very first uh, nephew. Wow. Uh, soon uh, in December. That's so, fantastic. So from Vietnam, where you were born as a war baby, uh, through your father being captured and spending eight years in prison in North Vietnam while you and your mother and your older siblings stayed in Saigon. Yes. You eventually were brought into the Catholic Church through the intercession of Mary. Yes. And you, your life was saved by the intercession of Mary. You were able to be um, confirmed in your own mind, in your own heart and soul, through John Paul's actions with the... Vener- the um, Canonization, the recognition of the sainthood of of the Vietnam uh, martyrs from the 16th century, and that in taking those into your mind, you you dedicated your life to wanting to be like them, and you followed through on that, and you were able to come into the United States as a good priest, someone who actually had his temptations into the other life, and and really decided this is where he wants to go. When we come back, Father, I want to ask a little bit more about what your plans are now that you're here, now that you're at this parish, and where this parish wants to go. We've got one segment left. I want to make sure our parishioners know where it is you want to take them. We are talking with the rector, the new rector of Christ Cathedral Parish, Reverend Bao Tai, and he has a fantastic story we've been listening to. I want to hear what his thoughts are for the future, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today has been our very special guest, Reverend Bao Tai, who is the new rector of Christ Cathedral Parish. And before we go any further, I want to take a moment so I don't forget later to thank you very, very much, Father, for coming in. Your first several weeks here have been a whirlwind, I know. You've had so many things going on. Thank you for taking some time to carve this out to be able to take some time to to sit with us and talk about your very f- interesting, fascinating call to the priesthood, call to Catholicism and call to the priesthood, call to the United States. Yeah. And I, I, I can't help but also comment your love for the United States and its opportunities is very clear as well. And I know our listening audience has heard that as well. Thank you to you as well for, for inviting me and also for all the audience, the listeners of Orange Catholic Radio as well. And then we, we keep each other in our prayer. I appreciate that very, very much. We had been talking about your call and how you got here. You're now the rector of the Cathedral Parish. It has had a, a very good start. You've got a, a wonderful parish to work with. It can be hard to follow in those footsteps, what are your plans? Do you plan to make major changes, or are we talking small things? Do you have plans to continue things? What are your plans? Uh, to be honest with you, that uh, first of all, I would love to say thank you uh, to two bishops. Uh, to, first of all, to Bishop Brown. He decided to, to buy this beautiful campus uh, since um, 2011. 2000, November 17. November okay. 17, when the church ruled that. To, to sell this to Diocese of Orange. So thank you to uh, Bishop Rao. And then after that, Bishop Van came and he continued, I mean, a lot of works. Oh, yeah. Because we just bought the cathedral and then, and, and then Bishop Van arrived. Well, he's had a wonderful vision of how this yes. can be mm-hmm. a center of Catholic faith in the West Coast. Yeah. And, then, and then with the rector emeritus, Father Christopher Smith, together with all the people in his team with the direction from Bishop Van, so turn this beautiful campus. So to me, I'm so grateful to two bishops and Father Christopher Smith, our we call Rector Emeritus, and for all the things that the, the three of them had done for us. We've had him on here many times. Mm-hmm. He was a very good priest. Yeah. And so, I inherit this, uh, I mean, this beautiful heritage yeah. here. So you come into a firm foundation 
at a, literally here, they had to make sure they retrofitted the building we're in. Yeah. They spent millions of dollars doing that. What are your hopes and dreams? I, I hope and I dream that I continue to reinforce the ministry here at our parish, Christ Cathedral. First of all, uh, because why I say that? Because for the last two years, because of the pandemic, yeah. And now, and now you're following a, a time when everyone was mostly closed yes, down. So now, so now it's the community here that we call the multicultural. Of course, we have Anglo, we have Caucasian, uh, we have Filipino. Latino, uh, Vietnamese, and on top of that, we also have some more and Chinese as well. So we have 11 masses up per weekend and about 11,000 people wow. per weekend. So I would like to continue to reinforce the ministry and bring the people back. Bring all the people everywhere to be back here at, for, for the parish level. Right. First of all, for the parish level, all the ministries there make the parish vital again. Uh, more. It's yeah. very vital because of the pandemic. So, yeah. so now people return and returning. That's why we add more adorations and we add more masses now yeah. uh, for, for the cathedral. That first, but on that, that diocesan level, of course, we continue with, uh, with all the music ministry, with all the uh, diocesan uh, directives, so we can have more uh, activities uh, like worships uh, here at the at Grass Cathedral campus. Um, for example, that the Hazel, the organ, right, we the just Hazel. dedicate the beautiful uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, organ. I was and, there for that. Yes, and then we have a series. We have about 10 series from this month, uh, particularly we have at uh, the end of uh, September, the very, and then throughout the whole year. We, so, so friends, go to the website yeah. of Christ Cathedral and click on the, the, the music. And then you see the whole series of the organ series. We call cathedral musics. For anyone who's not been to the cathedral since the organ has been dedicated, you need to go. Even if, even if you don't go to one of the concerts, go to to mass mm-hmm. and enjoy yeah. the the beautiful sounds of that organ as it was designed was redesigned for this particular space, so that the echoing the resonance. Is perfect. It's beautiful. There, there's they put in quadrifoils, which do a number of things. One of which is to help make sure that the sound of that organ, which is um, one of the most important organs in the world, uh, actually sounds beautiful. It's surround sound. It really is. It's, it's true surround sound, sound, not electronically uh-huh. yeah, done. Uh-huh. No, no electronics on the on the organ itself for the sound. Uh-huh. But it is. it has a whole orchestra you really could do with that organ. Yes, yes. So for anyone who's not experienced that, they need to experience that. I understand they're, they're finishing the basement area yes. of the cathedral. What's going to be going so, on with that? So we, we, we call the undercroft. So we continue uh, with the directive from Bishop Van and also Father uh, Christopher Smith, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rector Emeritus. But he also a Pisco Vicar for uh, special projects in on the campus. Okay. So Father Christopher, we will continue with me and I would, would have the Bishop Van and the team to build underneath that. Uh, we call St. Callista's Chapel. But, okay. of course, we have the chapel in honor of parishioners who came to uh, this uh, campus yeah. from, uh, from St. Callista's. St. Callista's. So we honor a chapel with St. Callista's, 200 seats. So in case that we have two masses, we can have a, a private mass uh, downstairs. And besides that, we have a two side altars. So one we honor a uh, Vietnamese martyr and the other we honor Mexican martyrs. Um, besides that, we have also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, and we also have the um, the Crips Mausoleum okay. for the forty four zero uh, Crips for bishops, and about uh, a thousand Nichich for lady for parishioners uh, who can uh, bury down there as well. Okay. Uh, we have a beautiful uh, memorial garden uh, yes. uh, already, but, but Bishop would like to have another uh, uh, underneath of the altar, right underneath of the altar. To be so, to be buried under the foundation of the cathedral yes, is quite an beautiful, honor. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so this this thing. So, so to me, that's it for now. Yeah. But at the same time, that I say that I I already met my uh, finance council and fi- pastor council, so we come up with the five year vision. So as soon as we have that, we can share with you more. But what we always have the vision for the parish. Well, fiscally, I know that you were involved with the organization that put together the Shrine. Our Lady of yes. Levang Shrine. 
and miracle of miracles, you got millions of dollars. It was like $10 million or something like that to be able to put that together. And you're a member or have been a member of the Orange Foundation, which Orange Catholic Foundation, which means that you, you know finances. Yes. So you're, you're envisioning things that are realistic. Yes. That we're able to accomplish. Yeah. So we'll have a beautiful basement crypt. We'll have a beautiful chapel down there. Yeah. We'll have uh, the ability to have worship down there and adoration. Everything that you've got in mind has been thought through. Yeah. And also, uh, speaking of the shrine, uh, um, just, just one minute. Yeah. Uh, every first Saturday, every first Saturday at 9 a.m. in the morning, we have mass. And we have about 1,000, 1,000 Vietnamese everywhere wow. to attend the mass. And then, and then uh, last July, we have the very first Marian days. The very first Marian days. We have about 15,000 Vietnamese wow. here. So we continue to do that annually. Uh, next July. But again, uh, our brothers and sisters out there, so please join us on the very first Saturday. And uh, hopefully that we will let you know uh, the very first Saturday of October, uh, we will also have a Mass and we invite all the faithfuls to come to that Mass at 9 a.m. And then we, we, we have a Eucharistic procession around the campus uh, in honor for the month of Respect Life. We call it Work for Life for um, pro-life. California needs that very badly because now that Roe versus Wade has made it possible to eliminate abortion, so much prayer is needed here in California. So stay tuned, brothers and sisters. We we let you know more about October 1st. That'll be the first Saturday. Father Tai, I want to thank you again for being with us and sharing not only what your hopes and dreams and visions are, but the very special story behind your conversion and your call to faith, to priesthood. I, I thank you again for coming. Father, would you please lead us in a word of prayer and a blessing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, loving God, we continue to offer our adoration, our praise, and worship to your for all the blessings that you have bestowed in our life, particularly the miracles, miracles after miracles. We ask that you give us the courage. We can pause a moment during the day life, and then we recognize that is the moment of prayer, the moment of miracles in life. And now, through the intercession of Mary and all saints, please help us to continue to spend each day to give thanks to you and to spend each day to give you honor and worship. So we end this one with a prayer to honor our Mother Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray, Pray for us Jesus. sinners now and the, and the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today has been Reverend Bao Tai, the new rector of Christ Cathedral Parish, who has graced us with his story of youth and conversion and call to the priesthood as well as where the parish is expected to go, which is very exciting. If you would like to share this with other listeners, other parishioners, other people who might be of interest to this particular broadcast, you can find it by going to OCCatholic.com. And at OCCatholic.com, you can pull up the radio tab. On the radio tab, there are a number of different programs that are up there, including this, our flagship show, Orange County Catholic Radio. And it will be posted as a podcast shortly after hearing it on the broadcast through the local Southern California stations. So for all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio, I want to thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week.